if you want to open your Bibles, you can turn to a couple of, we're going to flip around a lot of verses. So uh, Psalm 66 is where I'm going to begin. But today, um, as we're in this series on prayer, I said this statement coming in uh, to our production team in the back. I said, well, today's going to be a fun Sunday because we're going to talk about things that, that hinder your prayers. Or cut off your prayers, that stop your prayers. And a lot of times we don't want to, th- we don't think about stuff that hinders our prayers. But uh, simply asking the question, what hinders our prayers? Did you know that your prayers can be hindered? And uh, that word hinders, we'll unpack it later on. But they, they can be hindered. And it's an interesting idea that not a lot of people think about or talk about. We talk about how God hears us all the time. You can talk to him anywhere at any point, anytime. God always hears our prayers. I'm not so quite sure that's what the Bible shows us, that, that God always hears our prayers. Well, the Bible actually says pretty clearly that the truth is sometimes he doesn't listen to you. And, um, and so let's, let's kind of unpack that and what that looks like and feels like. Last week, we talked about the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Well, a righteous man, we know, is a person who what? Who, who does the will of God, who hears what God says, right? And his heart is in line with God's will. Well, today, we're going to talk about what a person who's not righteous would do, an unrighteous person, and how we'll see that unrighteousness leads to hindered prayer life. In other words, if you have a prayer life and you're not going to do what God says to do, you're not going to follow his instruction, then your prayer life will be hindered. Amen? Does that make sense? So let's jump into this. We'll go through some work. Hopefully you have your notes and you're ready to take some notes down and follow along and write down what you feel the Holy Spirit speaks to you uh, throughout this sermon. Now also at the end of this message, there's going to be several questions that we're going to put up on the screens, and I'm going to ask you to participate with this today. You're going to need to participate, and everyone's going to be a little unique in how you respond to what God speaks to you today, but take the notes down. Write down as I'm talking, what do you feel and sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and what is it that you may need to get rid of in your life or respond to to Him in order that your prayers would not be hindered. So my hope today, ultimately, is that your prayers and my prayers would not be hindered, at least today. And then tomorrow, if they are hindered, we would know kind of how to do a self-check to make sure that our prayers are not hindered. All right, Psalm 66. We ready to go to work? Okay. Okay, man. All right. Class, are we ready for for school today? Are we ready to go to work? Ready to learn? Amen. Okay. Psalm 66. Here it says. The writer writes, If I had cherished sin, okay, if you have your Bible, this is where you highlight. If you have your phone app out, then highlight that. Um, Cherished sin. That's an important word. In my heart. The Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God, who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Cherished sin in my heart. Important word. Isaiah 59. We're going to do a lot of flipping around. If you don't want to turn each time and you want to just write down these verses, that's okay. But Isaiah 59, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. So he's able to, we know that. But your iniquities, that is your sins, have separated you from your God. So sin separates you from God. And these sins, your iniquities, have hidden his face from you so that He will not hear you. Isaiah 115. When you spread out your hands in prayer, (laughs) I mean, sometimes I've read through this as I was preparing it, and I knew it when I preached it, I was going to be like, oh, Lord, you, you said that, didn't you? Yes, I did, Ricky. Okay. I hide my eyes from you. even when you offer many prayers. So many prayers, Isaiah writes, God, for some people, I'm not saying every one of us, but there are people, 
who have prayed. And they've said many prayers. And the Lord speaks, I've hidden my eyes from you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I am not listening. Have you ever made the decision to not listen to someone anymore? Yes, church? (laughs) I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm just not going to listen to you. Have you ever had someone call your cell phone and you hit hang up the the moment you saw their name? Amen. (laughs) Amen. You see see a name pop up and and you hang up, right? And you don't even talk to them. Have you ever done this with the, with the spam calls? You know, it says block, you know, block that number, block that number. Yeah. Did you know God will block your number? <laughs> well, I think we've created this, this environment and culturally where we've taught, we've understood that God always hears me, always hears me, always hears me. Scripture doesn't support that much. Able to hear you, but chooses to not hear you. It's true. So he will not hear you. I'm not listening. And here's why. Here's why. Why? Because your hands are full of blood. When Isaiah is prophesying this, this is a nation who's crying out to God at the same time they're in sin against him. And Isaiah says, your hands are full of blood. These are not clean hands. And you're expecting God to come and hear your prayers. 1 Timothy 2.8, just in case you're wondering, well, that's Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament then. 1 Timothy 2 says, therefore, I want men, we said this last week, everywhere to pray, lifting up what kind of hands? Holy hands. Clean hands. Without anger or disputing. So a righteous man hears God, does what God tells him to do, and aligns his will to God's will. We talked about that last week. A man in sin doesn't hear God, They have no intention on doing what he says, and ultimately they want God to conform to their will, not his. So if your prayer is essentially about your will and not about God's will, God's not listening. Okay, number one, what hinders our prayers? Clearly, Scripture supports, number one, our sin. Our sin hinders our prayers. Yeah, I got really good news though. This is like the best news in the world. What do we do about that? How do we ensure that our sin, because our sin we say is always before us. That's the tension we're going to kind of hear in our minds. Well, wait a second, because we're always going to be in sin where Jesus paid for all of our sins. So therefore, how does this whole thing work? But then if I keep on sinning, is just because Jesus died on the cross, can I remember what Paul said? Do I keep on sinning? Of course not. You don't keep on sinning. That would just like put him on the cross again and again and again. No, we don't do that. We really love God. So the truth is that when the truth is in us, we don't, we don't sin, we kind of run from that whole thing. So let's unpack this. Can you possibly pray with, without this sin thing getting in the way of hindering your prayers? So if you're sitting there, oh great, now I'm, I'm, he's never going to hear my prayer because I'm always in sin. Well, let's unpack that. All right, so 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. John writes, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you now. And here's the message. You've got to remember, God is light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, now this is the key statement, so I put it in yellow for you, so you can underline it. This is the kind of key thing to focus in on for the talk we're having today. It says, if we claim to have fellowship, so if we claim that we're in a relationship with the Father, yet walk in darkness... To walk in isn't to occasionally do or to occasionally trip and slip. This is the way that I conduct my life. I walk in this path. I walk in darkness. I live in this way. I'm making the conscious choice daily to choose this particular sin. Let me go there and say that. I know it's a sin. 
I don't care it's a sin, and I keep on sinning. It doesn't matter to me what God says. I'm not going to do it, what God says to do in this occasion. I don't care what God says to do about this situation, so I'm going to do what I want to do. You have no fellowship with God, John writes. A person who has a fellowship with God doesn't do that. Here's what he says. He says, we lie. We don't live out the truth. You don't live out the truth. You could say you have the truth in you, but you don't even live out the truth. How can you then declare that you have the truth in you? So he says, but if we walk in the light, who's the light? Jesus. As he is in the light, he is the light, by the way, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus and his son, who? Jesus. We don't purify ourselves. His son purifies us from all sin. So when Jesus lives inside of us, he purifies you and me from sin. He removes sin so that we can come in prayer and talk with the Father because the sin hinders the prayers. But with Christ, your prayers do not get hindered. Now here's the key line. But, notice that he says here, if, and that's a huge if, that's a really big if, okay? If we claim to be without sin, in other words, I know that you, you, you're going to have sin, it, you're deceiving yourself. Yes, you have sin, and the truth is not in us. Now, here's the If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So the truth is, you have sin in you. But here's the good news. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us. Now here's the key line from all unrighteousness. The prayer of a righteous man is a powerful and effective. What makes us righteous? The cross. The cross. What Jesus did on the cross. And when we confess these sins to God, we get cleansed from these sins. I wrote a line down to help maybe summarize what I'm trying to teach on today to help you understand this. When we recognize sin, we must acknowledge it, confess it, and abandon it. Scripture teaches that when you confess it, it is forgiven. When you go to the Father and you say, Father, I do not want to continue to disobey, dishonor, live in, you know, a lie, or continue in this particular sin, or this particular area that's been a struggle or a situation for me. I want to turn from that. I want to change the way I think about you. Remember, repentance is about changing the way you think. It's turning away from that thing. It's not seeing it the same way anymore. So let's just take any sin, Okay, throw out a sin at me so you don't think I'm judging you today. Somebody throw out a sin. All right, gossip. Nobody wants to talk to me. I'll just talk to myself. Amen. Gossip. Okay. I want jealousy. Okay, let's take jealousy. All right, jealousy. So, so Father, I've been jealous of this other person. Or I'm jealous of their relationship. Watch this. Let's take a married couple who looks at another married couple and one of the spouses, it, nobody knows about it, but they're watching some other couple and they're jealous of their marriage, of their marriage, and they're jealous of it. Okay, Father, I would want to repent of that sin. I've been jealous of that relationship. So watch this. Change the way I think about my marriage. Change the way I think about their marriage. Help me to see this thing differently. Help me to see this thing the way you see it so that when I look at their marriage, I will not compare my marriage and their marriage and I won't be jealous and fall into sin. Because jealousy can lead to so many other things. If you get jealous of the other marriage, you can start having a different attitude in your marriage which could destroy your relationship. And so, Father, I don't want it to go that way, so help me, God, to see it differently. I'm going to repent of this sin of jealousy over their marriage, jealousy over their work, jealousy over their thing, and help me to see it differently. I repent of it. And every day I'm going to turn from that. I'm not going to keep looking at their marriage and try to kind of get jealous about my marriage and why he doesn't do that, why she doesn't, da, da, da. I'm not going to do that. Help me to turn from that. Okay, when you turn away from sin, 
And you say, God, I'm confessing it. And I want to turn from it. I want to abandon it. The scripture teaches you that God will cleanse you from that sin. And those sins are forgiven. Now you're in a proper position to get in line with the will of God. Think about it this way. Is it God's will for you that you do not fall into temptation? Not a trick question. (laughs) Just in case you didn't know, it is not God's will that you sin. It is his will that you do not fall into temptation. That he would deliver you from evil. Which is exactly what Jesus did on the cross. And when you confess your sin to him, he is faithful to forgive you of your sin. That you may come to him with holy hands. Not because of what you have done, but because of what he has done for you. Just consider with me for a moment that when you pray, just consider discussing your sin with the Father. When you pray, just consider starting with sin. Isn't that part of what Jesus taught when he taught his disciples to pray? Forgive us of our debts, right? What is, forgive us of our stuff as we forgive others who have sinned against us? Our debtors? Didn't Jesus talk to you about this? When you pray, how often do you discuss your sin? Okay? Our sin can hinder our prayer life. And in case you're wondering, but do I have sin? Let me go back and read to you. (laughs) If you claimed without sin, we deceive ourselves. So don't think for a minute that I'm without sin. So if you're having a hard time thinking about what your sin is, just ask your spouse or your best friend. They'll tell you. <laughs> or me. Well, no, I don't know you that well. Maybe, but I don't want to do that. Okay, number two, our motives. Now, our motive is different than sin, okay? So I want you to notice this. James, the brother of Jesus. And I don't know when this conversation came with James, but I'm just convinced. I always think about James and Jesus on bunk beds. And, and just kind of a nightly discussion. And at some point, you know, the discussion of motives, like Jesus said, James, you know, your motives are all messed up, man. I know, brother, you know. So then James writes this for you and me. When you ask, James discovered something because he asked his brother to do some stuff for him sometimes. If your brother was Jesus, would you ask him to do some things for you? Yeah. Right? Jesus, build me a house, man. Come on. Let's do, you know what I'm saying? Like, hook me up. Anyways, but James discovered something. When he asks Jesus, I'm going to put it from James' perspective. When I asked my brother Jesus for something, I didn't always receive everything I wanted because I was asking with the wrong motive. I noticed that my heart was wrong. So James writes to us and says, when you ask, you do not receive. And the reason you're not receiving is because you ask with the wrong motive. And, And how do I know if I have the wrong motive? Good news, James writes another half of the sentence. He says that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. In other words, the reason for talking with God is about you and what you want, not what he wants. How often we go to prayer talking with God about what we want. And we, and we take the scripture, which is true, present your request to God. Yes, God wants our requests and he invites our requests. But shouldn't our requests be things that align to his will, not our own? Can I go to God and talk to him about that particular thing that I really want? Yes, the Father knows what you think even before you say it or think it. Yes, he knows. And yes, we have a loving Father who invites you to come and cast your cares and tell him what you want. But isn't what you really want what he wants? And so, your motive can get in the way. And my motive, wrong motives lead to wrong praying. Some people say, I don't know how to pray. Who do I talk to? 
talk to the Father, the Son, God? Do I look up? Do I look down? I don't know. Do I close my eyes? Here's what's more important than where you look or if your eyes are open or eyes are closed. What is your motive behind the prayer? When Jesus was talking to his disciples about how to pray, do you remember what he called the people who had the wrong motives? Come on, church. Do you remember? What did he call them? Hypocrites. This is their motives. Or what was the reason that they were praying? Let's have class today. I want to engage you today. What was the reason? Make themselves look good. Praise God, that was a staff member. Amen. Woo. <laughs> we'll get the rest of them eventually. Just, okay. okay. Do you remember the motive? They wanted to be seen in public. The motive was wrong. So he's teaching his disciples, don't be like these guys. Don't come and try to talk with me all to please yourself, to make yourself look good. Don't sit in a prayer circle trying to compare your prayers to somebody else. What is your motive for coming to me? Think about your motive for the prayer. This does not mean you can't come to the Father and talk to him about the things that you want. And talk to him about the things that are on your heart. Of course you can. He loves those conversations. But just consider the motive is what I'm inviting you to do today. What is the motive behind the prayer that you're praying? All right, number three. Our relationship, or you could say relationships, with others. Okay? Our relationship with others. Okay? Or you could say our relationships. And now you can think about your family relationships, relationships within the church, um, work, you know, different environments. I'll read a few scriptures and then I'll try to help unpack it because I could spend, you could turn this whole section into a series if I wanted to. Okay, so about all the things that can hinder your prayers from the context of relationships. Okay, jealousy, envy, unforgiveness, offense. I could list a whole bunch. But I'm generically putting the phrase, our relationships with others, and then you will need to sift through and maybe determine, you know, maybe if there's a relationship in your life or in some context that could be hindering your prayer life. So let me read a couple of verses to you. First one comes from Mark eleven twenty four through 25. And this particular relationship is within the context of the body of Christ, but it could also be on the outside, but in this context. Here's what it says. Therefore, I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer. So I'm talking about prayer. This is Mark writing. Believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, so this is the context of prayer. I'm talking about prayer. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you of your sins. Seems to be clear that Mark in his gospel is telling us that when you pray, there also has something to do with your relationship with other people. He's putting the two together. Your relationship with other people has something to do with your prayers, and your prayers should have something to do with other people. Isn't God's will that you would pray that all people would be saved? This idea that, that prayer and our relationships kind of go together? Okay, let's unpack it a little bit more. A little more clearly. 1 Peter 3, 7. Now he says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. I'm not even asking you to buy her flowers every day. Just be considerate. And all the wives said, Amen. Amen. You know? Just be considerate. Like, you, just be considerate. I mean, how, how like, is, you know, in one way, as gentle as God here, he could have put a whole bunch of kind of things on. He's like, just, just consider, man. Just be considerate, you know? All right, so just be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. As the weaker partner, don't be all mad at me. Okay, let's move on. And as heirs with you. Now listen, because some lady just got mad. I don't know, weaker. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What you doing? Okay, let's move on. And as heirs with you. Heirs. In other words, she's an heir to the God too. She, she's going to get an inheritance from God too. This is God's child too. So this is, she's an heir of God with you, of the gracious gift of life. 
Is this going to be an eternal salvation for women too? So that nothing will hinder your prayers. The word for Greek and hinder here that we're using is to impede on one's course by cutting off his way. That means when you submit your prayers, there are things, and the things we're talking about, in this context, your relationship with your spouses, that can cut off or impede on the prayer you're making. Let me break that down for you a little more simple. Okay? So you're praying for your marriage. Jesus, Lord, I just pray that you'd help us, Father. And uh, Lord, just, I don't know if you pray this stuff for your spouses, but you pray, uh, God, I just pray for a good marriage and healthy. And I pray that we'd have more joy in our marriage. Let's pray for joy. Why not? Let's go to church. Let's pray for joy for our marriage. Father, I pray for joy. God, let us just get along. Have a great day together. Everybody said amen. Hey, man, that sounds great. And then you disrespect him all day long. But Lord, would you please uh, help us have joy and help us uh, just to talk nice to one another? Uh, let us get along, Lord. I've been wanting to get along for a couple of years. We just don't seem to get along. We, we argue sometimes. Father, would you please help us to get, to get along better? Amen. And then you disrespect him again. But Father, would you please uh, give us, you know, help, help her to talk to me better and help us treat each other. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? You do a lot of talking, but your own actions are hindering the prayers you're making. Makes no sense. You can't. Ask God to join you to do something that you don't do. Make sense? Yeah. Saying these things can get in the way. They're cutting off your prayer. They're hindering your prayers. You're praying evidently for your spouse, but you're so inconsiderate and you don't even show respect. Your own behavior is getting in the way of the very request you're making to God. God, I really would love a wife who just treats me more kindly. Hey, would you give me the chips? You know, I don't know what you do. I don't know. You know, chips, I don't know. Whatever, I don't know. It's the first thing that came to me. You get the point? Okay. Matthew 6. Jesus is teaching on prayer, and he says, and forgive us of our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. We just talked about that. In verse 13, and lead us into, the, not least in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then verse 14, which nobody ever quotes these two verses, it always lands at the Lord's Prayer. Have you noticed that? We're really good at repeating the Lord's Prayer. And then it just stops with amen. The problem is, Matthew writes a little bit more than just that. Verses 14, he says, and forgive, and it says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. Wait a second. And then some of you right now are like, whoa, no one ever told me that part. Some of you are texting somebody right now. Well, shoot. Okay. Okay, now here's the good news, and I don't have time to unpack these two verses to teach you, but I can tell you that, let me just say this to you. We'll maybe talk about this at some other point when we do a whole study on, on Scripture. When you study the Bible, you have to take the pieces of Scripture with the whole Scripture. I'm going to say it again to you. If you take these two verses out of context, it looks like all of a sudden your salvation depends on your forgiveness to other people. God does not forgive you based on the fact that you forgive other people. In other words... If you had to forgive people in order to be forgiven, that would be a work by you first. And Paul writes in Ephesians 2 that you're not saved by your works, you're saved by grace through faith. So when you study Scripture, you've got to take it in light of all of Scripture. So that would be taking it out of context. Let me read it to you from the message translation, which I think does a great job at translating these verses to help it make it more uh, understandable to you without going into a whole teaching on it because I don't have the time. But let me... Let me give it to you in the message translation, which I think is, does a beautiful job here. It says, in prayer, remember because in Matthew 6, he's talking about prayer. So in prayer, there's a connection between God, what God does, and what you do. You work together with God to accomplish the things that God wants to accomplish through you. I'm going to say that again. You work with God to accomplish the things that God wants to work through you. Yes? yes? It's a partnership with the Lord. 
He works things through you. Okay. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, as an example, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off, you hinder yourself from God's part. So Matthew 6, he is teaching disciples how to pray. Remember, he was also saying, don't pray like the hypocrites. Jesus is not saying our eternal salvation is dependent on our forgiveness. That would contradict scripture, Ephesians 2 eight. Rather, Jesus is saying, if you ask God to forgive your own sins, all the while withholding forgiveness from someone else's, that's hypocritical. Think about it. We ask God to forgive us while also remaining in sin by holding on to unforgiveness. That makes no sense. That would be a hypocrite. God, forgive me, but no, I'm not ready to forgive them. And so God says, okay, well, I'm not ready to forgive you. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can go ahead and forgive me. I'm just not ready to forgive them. How can you ask for forgiveness with the same time withholding it from someone else? When your sins against God, I promise you, are way greater than the sin that committed against you. So these things can hinder our prayers. When we choose to forgive, watch this, we release a person from their indebtedness to us. They don't owe us anymore. How can we claim to be forgiven of our debts against the Lord and yet hold debts against others who've hurt us? That would be to prevent and stop the whole heaven thing coming to earth. When you hold on to unforgiveness, you're withholding the blessings of heaven on earth. Isn't the whole point of prayer to establish heaven on earth? Do you think there's unforgiveness in heaven? I watched the show the day on where it was, and they, uh, I guess they went to heaven or something. They're in some heavenly realm or something. It was in a show. I forgot what show I was watching. And, and the person had arrived to heaven, and they're like, remember what you did? What you? And it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not heaven. Like, it was a total horrible depiction of heaven. Like, who wants to go to heaven and meet people down the road who still have grudges against you, and there's still arguments over high school? Don't do this. The writer of Hebrews would say, don't do this. This can hinder God's will from being accomplished in your life because unforgiveness, by the way, Hebrews writes about this, unforgiveness can take root and turn to evil really fast. We can't withhold from others what we ask God to give. That's the point. God, would you bless me with more, but you're never willing to give anyone anything. These things can hinder. Isn't the point of prayer to accomplish God's will, not yours? So if prayer is about accomplishing God's will, not your will, then it has to be in line with God's word. And his will is that all people would be forgiven. Amen? Amen. You think God is in heaven thinking, no, I agree with you. Let's not forgive her, man. That was jacked up. (laughs) Can you believe what she told you when you were four? No, we're not going to forgive her. Yeah, I agree with you. Let's move on. No, God's will is that all people would come to know him forgiven. Every single person who's hurt you. Yes, them too. So if God's will is that all people would know his forgiveness, then how can we pray according to his will and not give forgiveness? Oh, Prayer is not about your will. It's about his will. Right. So when you pray according to his will, his will is that you would bring forgiveness. His will is that you would not live in offense against your brother and sister in Christ. His will is that you would not live in jealousy. And his will is not that you would live envious of other people. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. It just really reveals to you, and it reveals to me, how much more prayer is about shaping you And it is just shaping the world. We ask God to shape the world all the time. We never invite God to shape us. Don't you know that you're the people who shape the world? 
So it's important for us to understand that when we come to pray, we make these things a part of our prayer life. To withhold from others what we ask God to give, I wrote down, destroys the very will of God in of itself. And if you're destroying the very will of God, or if you're coming against the will of God, let me tell you something, God won't hear you. He does not act out according to his will. And his will is always perfect and pleasing and good. So when you're praying out of his will, he's not listening. Keep praying to win the lottery. Amen. You mean all those prayers never got heard? I don't know. If it was according to his will, it would have been done. Amen. Okay. If it is possible, watch this, Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's God's will. Okay? Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ has given, forgiven you. So if any of those relationships we begin to act unlovingly, in any of our relationships, begin to act unlovingly, disrespectfully, unmercifully, unkindly, we can expect that God will, in mercy, will withhold blessings that we pray for. No different than when we discipline our children. It's an act of love, not an act of rejection. So what do we do? Go make it right with others before you talk with God. Isn't that what Jesus said to go make things right with your brother before coming into offering prayers and sacrifices? Go make it right with him. That doesn't have to be you become best friends. Make sure that forgiveness is not dwelling up inside of you. Unforgiveness. In other words, carry God's will. Remember what God's will is? To love God with all your heart, mind, and soul and to do what? To love your neighbor as yourself? That's God's will. To love your neighbor as yourself? A righteous man prays according to God's will, and his will is to love him, but also to love others. The prayers of a righteous person, an unrighteous person, doesn't want to love God nor love other people. These things can hinder our prayers. Number four, our relationship with God. Our relationship with God. Romans 10.14 says this, but how can they call would you just underline or circle the word call or if you're writing these on your notes, Romans 10, 14, call. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers of Jesus who brings good news. Isn't it interesting to you that this verse is often preached on evangelism, about going and telling people about the good news of Jesus, which, by the way, it is. But did you notice, if you read it backwards, where it ends? Did you notice that in the context where Paul writes in the book of Romans, he does not land the plane on believing in Jesus. He writes it on calling on Jesus. Did you read it backwards? It says, let me just paraphrase. Look at the text. Hey, if you send a messenger to bring the good news then eventually someone's going to tell them. And it says if they tell them, then someone's going to hear about it. And once they hear about it, then they'll believe it. And once they believe it, they will start calling. The end result that God is after is not people to believe in Jesus. It's for people to call upon Jesus. Which, by the way, I propose to you is prayer. What is prayer? Conversation with God. Talking with God. Being in a relationship with God. So let me say to you this way. God's whole plan is not for people just to believe in him. It's to have a relationship with the individual. But how can they have a relationship with him unless somebody believes in him? And how can they believe in him if somebody tells them and then hears it? And it's like all oh, this whole thing trickles down to this relationship that God wants with the child. So... His children, like he wants a relationship with them. So don't be all excited when somebody checks off a box and says, I believe in Jesus. That's not the goal. Because you can believe in him and never call on him. Have no relationship with him. The goal is to have a relationship. To be in conversation with. So I can discover God's plan and God's will for my life. 
The result I propose to you today that we should be looking at more than we look at somebody checking off a box of a belief is they talk with God all the time. Put that on the back of, of a communication card. Talk with God all the time. In a relationship. Day in and day out. Professing my sins. Talk with him. How I can accomplish his will. Amen. That's what this whole thing's supposed to be about. Not just belief. So Paul says, this is why the good news is fantastic. By the way, you got to tell somebody the good news so they know who God is. And once they find out who God is, they're going to want a relationship with him. And they'll call upon him. It's God's will that we pray that all people might be saved and come to know God. Believing leads to calling. The call is a Greek word to call upon for oneself on behalf of. Think about a trial situation where one person will call for a witness in order to help that person as they're on trial for their life. Don't forget Satan is the accuser, but Jesus is our defender. And he pleads our case before the Father so we might call on his name and be saved. We as followers of Christ are heirs to our Father. And here's the key line I want you to understand as we close up today. We cannot possess what we don't know is available to us. When I wrote this line, I, and I just, you know, in prayer and study time or whatever, can't possess what we don't know is available to us. I think about how many people are praying, and they have no idea what's available to them. And I'm just going to say, they're doing wrong praying. They, they have no idea of what the good news really is, and so they therefore are saying prayers that really make no sense. And, and my best example, and I don't know everyone's heart, so I don't hear every prayer because I'm not God. But an example that could be, I mean, maybe possibly is, you know, I get it. You give, I don't know, I want to go there. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to stay away from it. Okay, here we go. Okay, so one reason why many prayers are hindered is because of the individual's lack of understanding of who God is and what God has done and what he is doing. I'm going to say it one more time. One reason why many prayers are hindered is because the individual lacks understanding of who God is what God has done, and what he is doing. Look at what John writes, big secret. John 14, 13 says, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. If you want to know the secret to prayer, it's these two things. Remain in Jesus, and make sure his words are remaining in you. Which, by the way, if Jesus is remaining in you and his words remaining inside of you and your life is all about him and his life is all about you and you're together in this whole thing, sin will not be part of the equation. Your sin will be removed and put on a cross. And every time it even solely reveals itself to you, you will run and flee from sin as fast as you possibly can. And if you get entangled in sin, you can know that Christ has presented a way out. If my... If... You remain in me, abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be accomplished. Why? Because you'll be praying according to me and my will for your life. John 14, 13, the message translation says, From now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I'm doing, if you request to me along the lines of who I am and what I'm doing, according to my character and according to my will, it will be accomplished. So the whole point of prayer is not about what you want. It's about what God wants. And if you pray according to who God is and what God is doing, it will be done for you. I can promise you. This is all about calling in relationship. So when you establish a relationship with the Father, and you begin to talk with the Father about the things that the Father wants to do from heaven on earth, He's ready to go to work. The problem with a lot of people is they don't really know what God is doing. Because they haven't been brought the good news of who Jesus is and what He's accomplishing. Gosh, prayer is so much more than we make it out to be. Can you pray before dinner? Sure. Can you pray with the kids before nighttime? Absolutely. But please, teach your child. And prayer is much more about the time you just request about the things that you want for Christmas. And prayer is much more than just praying for someone's healing. Prayer is about getting in line with God's will for your life and what God is wanting to do from heaven on earth and being a vessel to it and being open to it. You can't ask for and talk with God when you don't know what's available to you. How much power is available to you? The power to overcome temptations of sin. God has made his resources fully available to you. 
this Holy Spirit to come and to help you in all situations. And the greatest temptations to overcome evil with good. His Spirit is ready and available and willing anytime. When you don't think you can forgive that person, God's Spirit says, oh yes, you can. When you don't think you have it in you to be generous anymore, God says, oh yes, you can. Praying according to my will. Whenever you ask along the lines of who Jesus is and what he's doing, he'll do it. So the secret of accessing power of his kingdom key is not the number of minutes you spend praying each day. It's not even when and if you pray with your eyes open or eyes shut. It's not many how many times you, you toss spirituality sound words like Father in heaven and oh great God. The secret to accessing power of prayer is hanging out with Jesus. Letting what he says hang out in your heart and asking for the things he wants you to do to be and become. The secret is when you put this in order and you take God's will and you apply it to your prayer life and you get to doing what God is wanting to do, he will do it. He'll open the door, he'll send rain, and he will part a sea. Do you know why the sea parted and the rain came? Because it was all according to God's will. So take the powers of heaven, bring them on earth as we wait upon the return of Christ. So here's a couple of questions I want you to ask yourself today as we close out. And then I'll walk off and let you ask the Lord. And you can write and journal. We'll give you about a minute or so. and It's a time to do that. And if you need more time, you take it home with you tonight. Here's a few questions that you should, and I encourage you to ask yourself when you go to pray with the Father so that your prayers will not be hindered, that they won't be cut off. Is there a sin for which you need to repent from? Is there a sin for which I need to repent? I, I don't know. It's a question worth asking. And resent, repent means you're going to turn from it. You know, I'm going to turn from it. I'm not going to think about that way anymore. Am I seeking God's will above my own? Is this really about what God wants or is it more about what I want? Do I need to forgive somebody? Am I treating my spouse honorably, respectfully? You know, the, the way you treat your spouse can get in the way of your prayers. Some of you can be treated really much more nice today. You'll know that he prayed for that or she prayed for that when you're like, how can I give serve you today, babe? Anything I could do for you today? Just try. But then be careful of the motive at the same time. So I'm really trying to get this new, uh, you know, toy that I really want. So uh, I'm going to treat you a little nicer. And more, like, consider the motive at the same time. Remember, God wants a healthy marriage for your life. A life of abundance, right? A rich and satisfying life. A rich and satisfying marriage. So don't just treat her nice so that you can get what you want. God knows what you're thinking before you even ask. So really, he heard all that anyways. Which then turns into sin. So really, you're starting with sin. Lord, I'm a sinner. Now we're in the right process. Yeah, keep coming. Let's go. Now I'm ready. Remember the guy went to the temple and he went to pray and the first thing he says, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to come here and talk with you. And then one man walked away. Do you remember that? Two men went to the temple to pray. One man says, thank you, God. I'm not like that man. The other man says, thank you, God. I'm a sinner. I'm just letting you know if you're starting your prayers with I'm a sinner, you're on track. All right. Am I getting to know God better? In other words, is my relationship with God growing? Am I getting to know who he is and his character and his will better? The more you come to know God, the more you get to know him better and better and better and better, the more and more and more more powerful your prayers will be. By that I mean the more work God will do through you and in you from heaven to earth, the more you actually know him, what he's doing. Let me ask you a question. What is God doing? What is he up to in your life? Do you go to prayer to find out what he wants to do? Or is it all about what you want to do? Prayer is about we go, God, what are you doing here? What are you doing? You ever wonder what a God is doing, but you never give him time to answer? I want to give you, I want to give you time to let him answer that. God, what are you doing? So many other questions we could come up with. So I'll invite you to now to, to close out. Just consider, close your eyes. And if you want, open your eyes. Nothing in the Bible says close your eyes, but it's cultural. 
kneel down or just write and journal here. God, we don't want our prayers to be hindered. So I'm going to give you a minute here just to consider some of these questions, some of these thoughts that maybe the Holy Spirit spoke to you today. What is hindering your prayers? And I pray this for you today, and I pray it over you, that our motives would not be just to get what we want, kind of like this. Oh, God, would you not allow my prayers to be hindered so I finally can win the lottery now, you know? But like, or get these things that I want, or... Lord, align us with your will. Seriously. We want to be in line with your will. We want to be in line with who you are. We want to be in alignment with you. Your timing. Rid us of sin. Help us to see differently. This moment's about you. If our sin is getting in the way, confess it. And you're faithful to forgive us. Unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, rage, malice in our heart, hate, envy, jealousy, offense. God, help us to see people the way that you do. If you have a hard time forgiving someone, just meditate on God's forgiveness for you. That will lead you to forgive them. Meditate on his forgiveness for you. Don't think so much about what they did to you. Just think about what God did for you. And that will lead you to forgive them. Jesus. Let our motives be pure. As the psalmist wrote, examine us, O God. Examine me. Examine my ways. Examine my motive. Examine it. If the reason I've been praying for this is based off of fear or some insecurity, Lord, I don't want it. Examine us. Examine our motives. It's my real motive. It's to get acknowledgement. I want that promotion so I get the title I feel I deserve because I'm seeking a man's approval above yours. Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. God, forgive me. I want to start seeking your approval above anyone else's now. It's your will. And I don't care about the promotion. It's you I want. I don't need another title to make me feel affirmed. I just need you to affirm me. That's it. Pray like this. Pray like this so that your prayers will not be hindered.